Good morning, church. This morning, um, before we get started, I just want to let you know, you know, it's going to be like, where were you last week? And I, you might be gone next week. And usually the second Sunday of the month, I usually have the pulpit filled by somebody else. Uh, Brian is, has been uh, the one filling our pulpit. Paul's come up once. Uh, next week, we've got another person, guest speaker, surprise. You have to wait till next week to see who it is. I'm not going to tell you. But I'm excited about who's going to be uh, filling the pulpit next week. But please understand this when you're like, well, where are you at every second Sunday then? Um, I'm church hopping. I go to other churches to thank them for their support of the ministry of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. There's a lot of churches out there that support what I do at the FCA. And so, uh, one, I want to give you a break from hearing me all the time. You need to hear another voice uh, speaking God's truth. Um, Mike, did I just see you do a fist pump? Oh, man. Uh, two, um, I also want to make sure I'm thanking other, other churches um, and what they do in the ministry of FCA. And it's, it's, it's a good eye-opener for me, too, because when I go to visit another church to thank them, um, I, I get to feel what, it li- what it's like to be a visitor in a church. And I'm telling you something. Uh, I hope we do better here than sometimes places I go. Usually I get a warm welcome, but there's, there's been times in the past where I go to visit a church and nobody talks to me besides the person who handed me the bulletin. That's it. I'll sit in the chair. People are sitting next to me, around me. Nobody turns and says, hi, you must be visiting today. Nobody. And it made me really wonder, church, how are we doing with that? Um, I'm excited that you're here to worship. You're hopefully excited to worship. But did you let the person know next to you, whether you know them or not, that you're glad they're here too? And So I want to encourage us as a church to continue to greet people and shake their hands. And if you're worried about getting sick, you can fist pump them or just look at them and just say, Hi, I'm, I'm Rex, and I'm glad you're here today. Um, I just want to encourage you with that. I, I really love this church. I hope and pray we do a great job, but again, it's always a reminder to me when I go somewhere else, what I see to come back and share and encourage this church to keep greeting one another with God's love. All right. All right. Well, I'll tell you to grab your Bible, but not yet. Um, we will be using it. We've been talking about Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is God. And we just don't talk about it. We believe it. Amen? Okay. Not that we have to be an amen in church, but that's good every now and then, okay? And if we believe it, that we are followers of Jesus Christ, sometimes we get that term given to us called Christian. And sometimes the word Christian is thrown around so loosely, it's like, well, what does that mean? And a Christian is a true follower of Jesus Christ. They are committed. They are all in. Their actions, their lifestyles exemplifies their beliefs. And if I believe that Jesus is God and I believe in him, my actions, my words, everything about me should scream that. There's evidence of what I believe. Not just one day out of the week, but every day. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, Jesus, who originally said, I am the light of the world, he also said this. He goes, you're the light of the world. Like a city on the hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, church, this is us, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, 
so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus says, yeah, I'm the light, but I'm making you a light. You are reflecting me. And when you shine for me, God gets the praise. Not us. God gets the praise. And he says, go shine. Our faith is like a light. Created to shine so that God will receive praise. Our evidence is the brightness of our light. And it's to be seen in how we share our faith with others. And last week, we learned how we worship is evidence of how we shine. Today, we continue to learn how to shine for God when life is a challenge. If, if you've ever gone camping before, uh, you probably understand this. Uh, you go to light, you get your wood all together, and maybe you have some kind of fire starter and not gasoline, uh, but maybe some kind of paper or lint or something like that. And you go to light it, and then you strike the match, and the wind blows it out. And, like, ah, and, you, and the wind keeps blowing, and then you've got to block the wind so you can just light it just right. Have you ever experienced that before? Or maybe lighting a birthday cake, and you're getting ready to light the birthday cake, and there's always that prankster kid that's like, blows it out before you can get them lit, right? So you know what it's like. It's frustrating. You're trying to light your light, and somebody keeps blowing it out. I don't know about you, but there's times I feel that way spiritually. I'm trying to light my light and shine for Jesus, but I feel like this world just keeps going, and Satan keeps going, and keeps trying to blow out my light so that I will not shine. He does that. He doesn't play fair, does he? Letting your light shine for Jesus can be challenging when the winds of this world beat up and blow up against us. It's difficult. Some of you say, I want to shine for Jesus, but I'm going through a broken relationship right now. My marriage is not good right now, so it is hard to shine for Jesus. Some of us are dealing with financial issues in our home, and it's like, it is so hard to shine for Jesus when I'm struggling with this financially. When this seems to be breaking, or this is going wrong, or when my kids are acting this way, or when my parents are acting this way, it's hard to shine for Jesus. When I'm going through physical pain, I've got this chronic pain that won't go away. It is so hard to shine for Jesus because I just feel like I can't beat it. Cancer comes along. Pain comes along. Death comes along. Doubt comes along. All these things come along like the winds of time and blow against our light. And we're trying to shine, but it's a challenge, isn't it? It's hard to shine when you don't feel worthy to shine too, right? That's called doubt. It's hard, it's hard to shine when it gets really dark outside. It's like, that's called worry. It's hard to shine sometimes when you, when you feel all alone, and that's called fear. Now, I'll tell you something. In those moments, you feel alone, don't you? Yeah. Being alone stinks, doesn't it? You know, uh, years ago when I first moved to Ohio as a youth pastor, and first couple of years, we always took kids to Cedar Point. I guess that's the thing you do. You know, you go, you're a youth pastor, you take kids to Cedar Point back in the day. It's not so much of a big thing anymore because everybody's already been there, it seems like. So we would take kids to Cedar Point, and one time I had all these high school guys, and I'm thinking, they probably don't want to hang out with their youth pastor. So, yeah, you guys just go ahead. Go hang out, do your own thing. I'll catch up with you in two hours. We'll meet at such and such place. So... Off they go, and I thought, well, I'll just go have fun. So I go to a roller coaster. I get on the ride, and right away, the guy behind the thing is like, oh, girl, we got one rider here. We got a single rider. 
Any other singles out there? Any other loners, losers like this guy all by himself? Okay, he didn't really say that, but it felt that way. Because you're just there all by yourself like, yeah, you're paired up, you're paired up, you're paired up. Yeah. Lone rider. Or you walk around and you see people holding hands and laughing and giggling and then you're just walking by yourself. And you sit down and eat and people are sitting with others and eating and I'm sitting there and all I got is those dumb Cedar Point birds. You know what I'm talking about? They swoop in, take your french fries. So you've got all that going on and it's like, it's no fun being alone. It's like the world was created for relationships, right? We were created for relationships. You go back to the book of Genesis. God created light and dark. And then God creates atmosphere and the water. And he creates land and vegetation. And then he creates the sun and the moon and the stars. And then he creates the fish and he creates the birds and he creates the animals that go along the land. And he creates all these things. And every time he created something, he said, it is good. It is good. It is good. Then he creates man. And he says, it's really good. And then God says, but it's not good for man to be alone. And he creates woman. It seems from the beginning of time, God created people to be in relationship. Teams, community, family, friends. It's good to be together. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 to 12 says this. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And what I'm discovering is, is isolation, pulling myself away from other people to be alone, is bad. It's not good. It's dangerous. If something can come into our lives and separate us from one another or from God, we're isolated. We become easily accessible to attack and defeat. You know, it's in these moments, I think as Christians, we're ready to give up and quit. How many times have you in this room just wanted to give up on something? You just wanted to quit. I'm tired of fighting. It's not, I don't know, is it really worth it? And sometimes in our faith, we, we do that. It's like going back to that campfire. And I don't know if you've ever taken a log and you rolled a log away from the roaring fire. Or you had a stick and you pulled the stick out and set it aside from the roaring fire where all the heat, where all the flames are, but it's separate, alone, isolated. What happens? It stops burning, doesn't it? The light is gone. It ceases to burn. It just smolders and just eventually just smokes. No flame anymore. Because it's been isolated from the source of the heat and the fire. And as Christians, that's what happens with us. We go through tough times in our lives. We all have tough times, don't we? Jesus said, when trouble comes your way, not if trouble comes your way, when trouble comes your way, what do we do? We start doubting our faith. We start questioning things. We isolate ourselves from the place we should be, from the people we should be with. 
Many people stop reading their Bibles or they stop praying. They start disconnecting from God first. And then when you start disconnecting from God, then you start disconnecting from people of God. I can't make it to youth group anymore. Well, I can't make it to our Bible study anymore. Well, my church attendance has been sort of, eh, whatever. Um, And we just start putting aside that place where we could find hope and peace. We isolate ourselves and we slowly lose our light. We slowly stop burning and stop shining. It's those moments we realize we need the body of Christ. We need people to be around us. In those moments when we feel isolated, we're tempted to give up, it's just so hard to shine. Here's what I want to encourage you with today. I'm going to give you three things to help you in those moments. I'm going to say I'm qualified to give you these three things because I had to put them into play this week. And I'll share that later. Here's the three things. First, the first challenge is this. Focus your thoughts. Focus your thoughts. Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3. Past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's in the New Testament. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, and Galatians, Ephesians. You're going to get to a bunch of small books. Colossians. If you need a Bible, we have some in the back. It pulls out for you. Just raise your hand and somebody will bring one to you if you need. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, stop there for a second. Christians, this is us. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've confessed with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you have been saved. You are new in Christ. And Paul says, for those of you who are new in Christ... Set your sights, it says, verse 1, on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse 2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. The word set your sights in verse 1 basically means this. Earnestly seek, investigate, go after it, find it. Okay, not just, I'm just going to casually hope it comes to my mind. I am going to intentionally put my thoughts on something else. It's going to be intense, right? Oh, and by the way, this is a command. The the tense of the word that is used in Greek is a command. Paul's commanding us, set your sights. Focus your thoughts on things that are what? Things that are above. Namely, the things where Christ is. Did we see that? Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Paul's saying, hey, how about this? How about first thought? Jesus. Get your focus, your thoughts on him. And then he goes on, he says, uh, verse 2, he goes, think about or set your mind on things above. Again, that could be interpreted as, again, focusing your thoughts to make the decision to deliberately think. So Paul, again, is telling us, hey, you need to focus You need to intentionally put your mind there. It will not go there on its own. It won't. When our minds wander, it usually wanders somewhere else, doesn't it? It's like a bad dog. It just wanders and takes off. And it's like, where's the leash on my mind today? I could use it, right? Okay, so refocus. Here it goes. On things above. What are the things above? Well, we said Christ, right? What else? What are the promises Jesus Christ given us? What promises in God's word has he given us? What are some things above that we can set our thoughts on? How about this? How about um, a reunion with family members that we miss, 
that have gone on before us to heaven. Family members, friends, acquaintances, people who have died and are in God's presence. How about that? That's a good thought. Someday I'm going to see them again. It's not a sad thought. It's a good thought. You're going to see them again. How about this? Rewards, such as a result for obedience. Because we're obedient, God says, I've got rewards for you. Really? What are they? I don't know. When you get there, you'll find out. No more tears. No more death. No more pain. No more sickness. No more past. No curse. No darkness. No night. How about focus our thoughts on that? How about focusing our thoughts on eternal life? There's so many eternal treasures that have been laid up for us in Jesus Christ, it's impossible to get that list, right? But what we are so tempted is that, like, oh, I'm suffering because of this is going on in my life. And right away, where's our thoughts go? Boom, to the negativity, to the things that we're falling short of in this world. When we put our thoughts on the things of this world, it's always going to be bad. Yeah, you've got joyful moments. Some of you had a great time, maybe with your kids involved with homecoming recently. Okay, But then some of you, maybe not so much. But when we take our minds and put them down on the earthly things, it will be challenging. Paul says, fix your thoughts on what is above. And you're like, well, why should I trust Paul? Paul's not living in my time. Paul doesn't understand bankruptcy. Paul doesn't understand divorce. Paul doesn't understand what's going on with my kids. Paul doesn't understand what it means as a kind of a co-worker that I have. Paul doesn't understand. In your Bibles, 2 Corinthians. So if you're uh, in Colossians, you can move forward a few books. Keep your hand there in Colossians. We're coming back. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Let me read this. Paul shares what he went through. Again, this is just a partial list. Okay? Paul says, I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I've faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. That's a whip. You get whipped 39 times, drug across your back. That happened to him five times. Has anybody been beaten like that for Jesus? I didn't think so. I think Paul's pretty qualified. Let's see what he continues to say. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And somebody's like, dude, I can relate to Paul. Not that kind of stoned. Okay. This kind of stone is rocks and stones are thrown at you until you're dead. He was stoned once. They threw rocks and stones. They thought, Paul's dead. Let's move out of here. And Paul like, gets up a little bit later and shakes it off and walks away. By the power of God. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled so many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger of my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I face dangers in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I face danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I've gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of the concern for my believers. He went through so much church. Is he qualified to speak to you and I about tough times? Absolutely. Oh, matter of fact, from prison. He's sitting in prison and he wrote a letter to the church in Philippi. We call it Philippians. And if you read through Philippians, the things he had to say, even in prison, he said, hey, I want you to fix your thoughts on this. He goes, dear brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pleasing, 
lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Think on these things. Paul's like, listen, I get it. Stuff comes into your life. Is it true? No. Then dismiss it. Is it pleasing? No. Let it go. Is it admirable or praiseworthy? Well, I'm not sure. Don't even focus there. Focus your thoughts on what is above. And he's writing this from prison. He went through so much. You know, sometimes when we lose, we lose sight of focusing God and we start focusing on the things of, that are of this world, we're focusing on the things that oppose God, basically. And we need to focus our thoughts on God. So the first challenge for us, you're going through a tough time? I get it. Here's what we do. Let's get our, let's get our thoughts focused on heavenly things. Here's the second thing. Let's get dressed in righteous clothes. Turn back to Colossians chapter 3, starting verse 12. I love this. Paul goes, hey, since God chose you to be holy people that he loves, and Brian, I appreciate you sharing last week how you were never chosen for anything because you're that skinny little runt. So, like, if you're standing up here, you just see a line, right? When I was your age, I would have loved to hang out with you because I was, I was the round guy. So we would look like the number 10 standing next to each other, okay? So, yeah, we were, like, last one chosen. Totally understand. You know, dodgeball, last one chosen, first one out. That's sort of the way it worked, okay? So I get it. So when God says, I chose you, I understand. But it feels good to be chosen, right? To be loved. To be set apart. That's holy. But then... Paul says this. Here it is. Church, clothe yourselves. Some of us are wearing some pretty nasty stuff. He says, clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Ah, I don't like that clothing. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Now listen, church, I'm not stylish whatsoever. When it comes to getting dressed, I ask Jenny, she's like, do you need some shirts? Probably. What do you want? I don't know, whatever looks good, because I have no clue. And then I'll grab something out of the wardrobe, grab it, and it's like, do, do these match? And then I'm, and even when I'm leaving the house, I'm like, is this, is this okay? Because I don't know. The boys are like, hey, Dad, does this match? I'm thinking, no clue, ask Mom. Okay? I'm just not stylish. I, I had a shirt in sixth grade. I saw a picture, looking back at some pictures of when I was in college, I was wearing the same shirt in college, and I thought it was cool. And everybody's like, you're out of date, dude, right? I mean, it was like, that was me. Not stylish whatsoever, right? I need help getting dressed is basically what I'm saying. And Paul says, living as a believer, says you need to get dressed and you need to get in style with what God says to wear. Because my thought is, I'll wear this, and God's like, that's not the kind of clothing you should be wearing. You need to wear this. Oh, I gotta wear kindness. <laughs> I gotta wear humility today. I gotta put on forgiveness. Mm. Holy Spirit wants to dress us in a new and better style. Church, listen very carefully. The Holy Spirit is the best designer on the planet Earth. He really is. He knows you. He knows Jesus. He knows how to make you reflect the work that Jesus is doing inside your heart and your life. And he says, when you put this on, you're going to reflect Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit says, oh, and by the way, the rest of your wardrobe, okay, I know you want to take it out and you want to just push it to the back. Get it out of your closet. Put away malice and anger and lust. So you want me to get out of the closet? I'll just take it to Goodwill. I'll put it in the garage sale and sell it to somebody else. And the Holy Spirit's like, no. Get it out of your life and don't you dare put it in somebody else's life. 
Trash it. Put it to death. Is what Paul says in some earlier verses. And I have to ask myself, what am I wearing? Am I wearing compassion? Am I wearing it? And I wrote down wearing it. You know what my first thought was? was baseball. Have you ever seen a batter? And you probably see more in high school and younger age. You see a batter up the plate. And he's getting ready for the pitch to come in. The pitch comes pretty close. And he backs up. He doesn't want to get hit by the ball because it was super close, right? And from the dugout, you hear all his teammates go, wear it. And it's like, wear it basically means let it hit you so you can get on base, right? Oh, and when it comes near your helmet, they're like, wear it. And you're like, you wear it, man. I'm not going to put a ball in my head. You know, that's, what you, that's the kind of reaction, right? But I'm telling you, every day we get to stand up for Jesus. And the Holy Spirit throws kindness your way. And he's screaming, wear it. I encourage you, wear it. Forgiveness, wear it. When you're tempted to quit shining, when it's hard to shine, when you want to isolate yourself from everybody else around you, just, just stop. Get focused, your thoughts on the things above, and then put on the right clothes. Put on the right clothes. Here's the third thing, and that is to, to pick up your shield. To pick up your shield. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read through this, this scripture and I'm going to focus on just one verse, though. Paul's telling us how to, to armor up. He's like, I've got something for you to wear. But it requires that you also hold something, too. He says to put on God's armor, verse 11, so you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Verse 12, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and the authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on just a couple pieces. No, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news so you'll be fully prepared. Verse 16, it's on the screen. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So much good stuff in that passage. But look at verse 16. We have an imagery of a Roman soldier as Paul, again, has been in prison. He always has Roman soldiers guarding him. He probably can look at that Roman soldier and like, yeah, yeah, put that on. Put that on. But he gets to the shield. And the word shield used by Roman soldiers was like a, it's almost like a door shape. It was huge. Could block your whole body, wide in width, long in length, like the door of a house. It could completely, you could completely get behind it to block any fiery arrows that would come your way to protect you. And many people wrongly assume that the shield of faith is the most important because it says above all, put on. The, and it's like no, I meant over all, in front of. You've got to have all the armor on, and your shield will cover over all of that as well. Your faith. It describes that position where we need to be. Our faith needs to be out in front of us. Covering us all. It was never meant to be at our side. We're supposed to pick it up. It's our responsibility. Your parents, your friends, your church cannot carry your shield for you. 
It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to pick up my shield when I'm being attacked. God wants us to tightly grip on of our shield of faith while keeping out in front to protect and defend us. We take that shield by our choice. But what I love about this is I'm still vulnerable from behind at times. So the Roman soldiers would sometimes make this formation in which they would put down the shields side by side all around and then some shields on top. Nothing could penetrate. It's a good picture of the body of Christ, the church, right there. When we stand side by side, holding our shields of faith with each other. When we choose to pick it up and say, I'll fight with you. See, when life gets tough, it is hard to shine. It's so easy to give up, isn't it? And it's those moments when we need to focus our thoughts on Jesus. And we need to get dressed in the righteous clothing. We need to pick up our shield of faith. So I want to encourage you this morning. If you're going through a rough time, do this. I implore you, encourage you. Listen, I'm, I'm not that old, okay? But I've seen a lot. I've been in ministry now 30 years. And I thank God that I've not faced persecution like other Christians from foreign nations. We have pastors in foreign nations who have been put in prison. We have Christians who are being beheaded and killed for their faith. Oh, in America, not so much. Oh, we feel the persecution, but not like overseas. We have been protected in some ways, but I'm telling you, the enemy knows how to attack in places that are still vulnerable and that hurts us. And some of you have been under attack. Some of you have have faced the trials and the temptations. Some of you are ready to give up. And I want to, as your pastor, say, do not give up. Do not give up. Recently, we received another anonymous letter. Some of you maybe don't know this because I have chosen isolation to keep some of my pain from the church because I don't want you to worry about me. I'm supposed to be your leader. And then I don't want pity. I don't want like, oh, poor Rex, Jenny. So in my mind, it's better just keep myself and just act strong. And in eight years seems on a yearly basis we get an anonymous letter full of personal information that's been twisted, full of lies meant to harm us. That's what anonymous letters do, by the way. They hurt us, they wound our friends, and they create discord. And Monday night I sat in my living room and I was angry. I prayed, I vented to God, and I sat down and I wrote a two-page rant I was going to put it out on social media, put it out on Facebook, just as that I, I was mad. I want you to know what's going on. I've held on to it too long. I've been trying to, uh, we've tried to do things about it, but I wasn't sure what to do this time. And I just wish my, wish my dad was here so I could ask him. So since my dad isn't here, I turned to my Heavenly Father and And prayed about, God, should I, should I post this or not? And I didn't. Because it doesn't need to be out there. Sometimes we don't need to air our dirty laundry for the public. But I felt maybe I need to share it with you. Because you're my church. 
You're my brothers and my sisters in Christ. If you're visiting with us today, this is who I am. Like it or not. As a man of God, I felt I needed to say something. So this is what I wrote. And I'm going to share with you what I wrote. As a man of God, a pastor who is imperfect in every way, but striving to live for a perfect God, I'm so incredibly frustrated. No, I'm angry. Yep, you read it right, angry. For now, I hope this is just a righteous anger. After eight years of somebody sending anonymous letters to our family, mainly my wife, I've had it. Today's letter was enough. I'm not sure whoever it is, but you're most likely reading this message. Again, I was going to put it on social media, and I know they follow. Because that's the kind of person you are, acting so kind to us. You know our family. You probably drive by our house and wave, only to find ammunition to unload on my wife. So this is for you, Miss Anonymous. Stop it. You're a bully. You're a coward. You send off letters of lies to destroy my wife, her confidence, her, her character, along with our family. You don't like us? Hey, you obviously don't like my wife. You act like a child, spreading these letters and then running behind your sour life. And congratulations on bringing my wife to a complete state of hurt and tears. This is my bride. You write these lies about us, and then you send them to our good friends. It isn't enough that you lie about my wife, but then you try to drive a wedge between us and our friends. Does it make you feel good to see your friends fall apart? You must be lonely, living your, your hollow friendships that you have to destroy other people's friendships. Well, you're an agent of Satan, full of lies, destructive, deceitful, and disunifying. Is this what you want? You want us defeated, wanting us to clam up, not share, not have friends, not do what I'm doing in ministry? We know who we are. In Jesus Christ. So we won't give up so quick. We are victorious in Jesus Christ, you loser. I'm praying for my wife. She is my bride and you're picking on her. So knock it off, coward. I'm praying that she will find peace among you, cowardly, your cowardly false attacks. I'm praying she finds hope in being able to share her life with others. Yet in the midst of my boiling anger, I also pray for you. At first, I pray that you would be exposed. I'm still praying it. I also pray that you will fall on your knees before God and confess your evil intentions and actions. I'm praying that you will get your life straight and send peace instead of discord to others. I'm praying that in my anger, I don't sin. In some nations, Christians are persecuted, pastors are jailed. Many are even killed for their faith. I'm thankful that I don't have to face that. But honestly, I'd rather see your anonymous face, the one who hates my family. Here in America... There's another assault. Defeat the heart of those in ministry. Crack the families of God apart. Satan uses his sniper tactics, taking shots at the people of God one by one. Oh, we're not alone. I'm only expressing what thousands of ministry leaders are experiencing every day and what some of you experience. I understand the more we strive to live for Jesus Christ, the greater the threat we are against Satan and his, and his demonic turds. Yeah, I wrote that. My opponent is rearing his ugly head and trying to defeat us. I will not go down without a fight. I see great things happening in FCA, in our church, in our own lives, so the battle will get tougher. Do we really think Satan will just sit back and say, oh, have it your way? No, the opponent belittles. The opponent points out our faults. The opponent says, you can't. 
You can't even defend your own religion. You're not worthy to lead a church. Oh, yes, they wrote that in another letter to me. Shut up, liar. I will not listen to your lies. I will defend my wife and my family. I will defend my church. My God will defend me. Isaiah 54, 17 says, But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. This may surprise many people that I would actually write something like this, but I'm sick of sin and I'm sick of what it's doing in this world. I'm tired of seeing pain. Yes, I trust God. I trust he will one day make all things right. Until that day, I'm asking those in Jesus Christ to join me and start living more boldly for him. Join us or leave us alone. Quit laughing at sinful habits. Quit living lukewarm lives. Stop being so critical of everyone, especially the church body. Let's rise up together and live in such a way that we shine like the blinding life of faith. I continue to write, this is not meant to gain pity, nor comments of support. I'm not looking for you to pamper Jenny, nor treat our family any different. I'm calling out sin for what it is. It's ugly, it's painful, and I'm asking that the people of God rise up and pray. I'm asking that the people of God stop flirting with the devil and start getting, instead get angry with him. Now, if you are on social media, you know I never posted that. I prayed about it, whether I should share that with my church family. And then I would be a big hypocrite if I stand up here and say isolation is dangerous, you need to pray for each other, but yet I don't share my problems with you. I don't want attention to myself or family. I don't want anybody like, oh, let's go bake them a peanut butter pie. I don't want pie. I want prayer. I don't want to, oh, you poor. No, I want you to stand firm in your faith. I want you when you are attacked to know that you have a God who loves you, that a God that will stand with you, that a God is mighty, So, I've had to go through this. So here's what I did. Focus my thoughts. I had to get dressed righteously this week. And I had to pick up my shield. I'll wrap it up with some thoughts here. Here's my first thought. Satan's powerful. But he is a liar. He is a destroyer. He's an attacking lion. But listen, I have Christ in me. Satan, you be intimidated. You tuck and turn. My powerful, life-changing God lives in me. Not by my, by my, but by his. So here's the thing. I'm not going to be intimidated by his strength. He can be intimidated by my strength because I have Christ living in me. And so do you. That's my first heavenly thought. It should be yours too. Here's my second one. As I drove down the road, I actually left the church on Tuesday, sort of frustrated, And I was praying as I, God, give me the strength to fight. Give me the will to fight. Give me, you know, just give me, give me. Help me not to fight. And then then I felt like God saying, hush. (laughs) I'll fight. And then I had to pray, God, fight for me. Fight for me. I'll stop fighting. You fight for me. I said, amen. Turned on the radio. And that's what was on. Riley Clemens fighting for me. Isn't God's timing amazing? Here's my third focus. God's our strength. 
Who defeated Satan at the cross? God did, didn't he? I'm heaven bound. <laughs> Satan's going to hell. And I'm okay with reminding him of that every now and then. We've got to remember that. Here's the other thought. When we fight, there's not two people in the ring. It's like a boxing match. It's not me and my opponent. Uh uh-uh, It's three. It's my God with me and my opponent. He's outnumbered. After setting my mind on Jesus Christ, which is an hourly thing, by the way, I had to clothe myself in righteous clothing. I was so tempted to react by saying and doing something that would probably be not Christ-like. And when attacked, it's so easy to make excuses and say, well, I'm allowed to act that way because I'm mad right now. And Jesus says, no, you're not. You're new in me. I know you want to go put on that, those old jeans because they feel really good. They're ripped. They feel comfortable. But I gave you a new set to wear. So put on your humility. Put on your forgiveness. Because right now you're not very forgiving, Rex. Finally, I was reminded to pick up my shield. I received a text message from my nephew. He sends me these prayers by, by text message. And um, that day he sent two. The first one came in, you know, hey, praying for you. It was really simple. And then... By the way, this was right before I got in the car to pray and I heard that song. I opened up the text when I'm sitting in the parking lot and it said this. Sensing the need to send you additional encouragement today. Rex, may you sense God's hand upon your life right now. I just read this chapter and your name, I heard your name as I read the final verse. May it encourage you today. It was Psalm 11. Psalm 11 says this, I trust in the Lord for protection. So why do you say to me, fly like a a bird to the mountains for safety? The wicked are stringing their bows and fitting their arrows on their bowstrings. They shoot from the shadows at those whose hearts are right. The foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? But the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord still rules from heaven. He watches everyone closely, examining every person on earth. The Lord examines both the righteous and the wicked. He hates those who love violence. He will rain down blazing coals and suffering soul on the wicked, punish them with scorching winds. For the righteous Lord loves justice. And the virtuous will see his face. That's what he sent me. He had grabbed his shield for me and said, you got to pick it up too. And throughout the next 24 hours, I discovered people were picking up shields and contacting Jenny and saying, I don't know why, but I think I'm supposed to pray for you. Yes. That's how God works. As a Christian, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and we choose to follow him, listen very carefully. You will be attacked. You will be a threat. As a Christian, I'm a threat to Satan. The question is, how big of a threat am I to him? When he looks at the game plan and he sees Rex stump. Am I high on the charge for a threat? Or am I like, yeah, he's not much of a threat. And it scared me wanting to share this with you because part of me wants to say, hey, don't become friends with us because you might get a letter from us. You might get attacked too. But you know what? As believers in Christ, we're probably already experiencing attacks. Like I said, it could be coming in a relationship financially. It could be pain. It could be something that's going on in your body right now with a family member. A lot of you are already under attack. God reigns. Do not forget that. Do not be intimidated 
by your opponent because our God, who is bigger than our opponent, lives in us. Let him be intimidated by us. Let this church rise up together in prayer for one another. We can shine when we choose to start fixing our thoughts on him. We can shine when we start getting dressed in righteous clothes. We can shine when we start picking up our shields of faith and stand side by side with each other. We can shine. Church, please shine for Jesus Christ. Do not give up when life gets tough because it will get tough. And again, I don't share these things to get your pity or anything. I want to be real with you. Because I know some of you are going through similar things. I understand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are a righteous and holy God. I thank you, Lord, that when we come here, we can come here and worship you. But God, I know this. Every time we make plans to do something for you, we show up at church, we're going to be attacked. We're going to be diverted. The last thing the devil wants is for our thoughts to be on you. He wants us wearing the old garbage clothes. And he wants us to walk away from our shields. So God, I consider it a victory every time somebody walks into the doors of this church. That they made it. They got in here. We can worship you. We can ask for your strength. And we can pray for each other and find safety here. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. I just got to ask. Nobody looking around. Have you been recently going through a tough time? You feel like you're under attack? You've had bad things happen in your life and you can't explain it. You're frustrated, you're worrisome, you're fearful. You just got something going on. It's like, I, this is so hard. Would you do me a favor? Would you please stand? If you're going through anything like that, would you please stand? Don't do what I did. <laughs> Thinking, I'm not going to share with anybody. I just want to be isolated. Nobody looking around. Go ahead and stand. If you got worry, you got pain. You know Satan's throwing something your way, trying to hurt you. Anyone else? There's a lot of people standing right now. We've all been challenged. I want to pray for you. Please remain standing. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. Please remain standing. Nobody looking around. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are standing right now. Because, God, I'm sure before they stood, I'm sure before they stood, they had a little thought in their mind that says, I can't stand. Because then everybody will know that I'm struggling. That's a lie. Meant to keep us from standing up and seeking the help that we need from you and from one another. So, God, for those who are standing... Thank you that they were bold enough to stand. They are not alone. They are not alone. God, I thank you 
for their courage. I thank you that they might feel alone right now, but they're not. Your spirit resides in them and is with them. I'm going to ask for those of you that are sitting, if you would stand and put your hands on somebody who is standing right now. Just put your hands on them. Just look around and find somebody who's standing there. Just put your hands on them. Heavenly Father, we do not stand alone. Your Spirit is here with us. And then you've surrounded us with other people in this church who want to stand with us. They want to, they want to pray with us. God, help us to stop isolating ourselves, to stop hiding behind our big smiles and say, oh, it's great, it's good. Help us to be real and just say, hey, can you pray for me? We don't always have to post things, but maybe we can just go talk to somebody, send them a text, say, hey, pray for me. And maybe we don't have to get into spilling and sharing everything that's going on, but if we can at least just say, say, would you pray with me? And then for us to be faithful and say, I'll pray with you right now and just make it a short prayer if you want. But God, help us to pray for our brothers and sisters. We are not alone. Help us to rise up, Lord to be a church that honors you in all things. God, we love you. Thank you for helping us to stand with you. God, help us to sing to you now as we lift our voices to you. Some of us may want to continue to pray. We can pray, but Lord, help us also to sing to you now. In thy name we pray. Amen.